Hey guys, this is Dee. I just wanted to pop in and say that this is the audio recording from our live AMA on Facebook and YouTube last night. So we really appreciate everybody that tuned in and we didn't want to skip this week on the podcast. So I'm just going to post the audio version here. If you want to see the in-person reactions and comments and stuff and (laughs) the drama that occurred last night, there was no drama. It was just technical difficulties. (laughs) Anyway, pop over to YouTube if you want to see the video version and we hope you enjoy. And if you have any questions, please find us on the socials and give us a comment and we'll answer maybe in the next AMA or we might do a episode of answering all your questions. All right, guys, y'all have a good day. Hello. <laughs> Hi. We are here. Yes. Try. We had a little bit of some technical difficulties. So just seven minutes late. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time that we have been able to do a live on YouTube. So, hey, hey, hey. Just checking to make sure it works. <laughs> okay we got it all righty so hello p35 flash how are you doing tonight i gotta wait for a couple people to join us so how was your day marcy it was busy very very busy Mine too. Mine too. Lots of kids today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had um, a kid that was, um, hello, Jay for America and Ashley. Um, We, so I had a kid that is going to be starting a new school. So we had orientation this afternoon. Oh my goodness. And then he drug me to the mall. So I had, so I treated myself to some beignets because going to the mall is stressful for me, and yes. so I deserve to have a treat. <laughs> yes, <laughs> any any shopping at the mall deserves a treat. <laughs> it really needs wine, but I mean, we can't have wine. Beignets are better, right? Yeah, there was a wine bar there, and I was like, "Ooh, <laughs> next time I'll have to Uber to the mall." Uh-oh, yes. A dog got in here. I got it. Um, Noah, would you do me a favor and find my drink for me? Uh, which one? Uh, the Louisiana mug. I may have left it upstairs in the bathroom. Yeah. Then we had soccer tonight and soccer ran long. And so I had to run home and jump in the shower and like serve my food, bring it in here and like eat while I was setting things. (laughs) Yeah. You were busy. My my thing was not that busy. (laughs) Feed children, you know, get them to eat toast and SpaghettiOs. (laughs) Right, right, right. So they went down to to sleep good tonight. Yes, thankfully they were tired. So at least they were easy tonight. They're not always that easy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, we have a few people watching. So welcome to the Umbrella Rebellion. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and roll our intro for any new viewers that might be out there that kind of want to get the gist of what we do here. So here we go. 
welcome to Umbrella Rebellion. I'm Marcy. And I'm Dee. We are finding healing after leaving a cult. We will be discussing abuse and personal experience with the ATI, IBLP, and fundamental churches. Trigger warning. This podcast may contain descriptions of various forms of abuse. Please take care for your safety and well-being while you are listening. If the content becomes too much for you to handle, please turn this off. We hope to expose harmful teachings that lead to and justify abuse. With the hope that those that are experiencing abuse can find support and escape from it. Okay, so that's what we're all about. So um, I don't know how many of y'all have watched our previous episodes lately. It's not that one. It's the tall, skinny one. I'm sorry. Interruption. I need a drink. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Was not set up for this at all. The one with the metal straw, baby. Okay. Sorry. We're all real here. It's real life. (laughs) handle it this was this is what happens when you can't edit out the interruptions (laughs) yes (laughs) now you know what goes on behind the scenes (laughs) right i know like this is it's like what were we talking about i can't remember (laughs) (laughs) squirrel (laughs) absolutely so um i guess if you haven't watched our previous episodes we have gone over my story introduction into the cult, Marcy's introduction into the cult, both of our experiences at, um, hard to edit live. Yeah, there is no editing live. (laughs) Um, both of our experiences at headquarters, we both worked at, uh, the IBLP headquarters building. We lived in the same house together and that is how we know each other. So brief overview in history. (laughs) So, um, and then we did the courtship and dating teachings from the basic seminar. Mm -hmm. So I have Noah. I'm so glad you're here to help me. I have my little assistant. The book that's there. You want to say hi? Hi. Hello. (laughs) Um, You see that brown book that's right there? Uh, This one? Yeah, the big one. Which house did you live in? Uh, we were at Brook Manor. Yeah, we were Brookies. Mm-hmm. Which was right across the street from Gothard's office building and the yeah. kitchen. You could see it from the front of the building. Mm-hmm. I got something in the mail today. And no, I did not give any money to the cult. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well done. I have, can you see it? Let's see. Uh, men's manual. The men's manual, uh-huh. volume two. <laughs> I also have the complete basic seminar, the volume one's men manual, men's manual. And um, let's see, I think that's it um, coming in the mail. So I gave my money to an eBay thrift bookstore. So. <laughs> well done. Support that small business and not the goal. <laughs> exactly. And take those out of circulation. Yes. So, um, yes. I'm, so this uh, viewer, P35Flash, he lived at 13, or I guess 13 Pine was a guy's. Um, yes. Yeah, 13 Pine. That's what I remember. Yeah. <clears throat> so he lived at 13 Pine. So uh, P35, what years were you there? Uh, I was there briefly in 2003. And Marcy? 
I was there from 99 to 2003. So, yeah. I, I got lucky and found a husband when I came home after three months. No, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> it, it prevented me from going back there, but it did not prevent me from having more trauma. Um, P35 was there from 99 to 2002. Okay. Well, I might have known you then. <laughs> or you might know who I am. <laughs> I remember you. There were a lot of people. And I have oh, a very goodness. bad memory. <laughs> yeah. A lot of things have replaced those memories since then. You know, like, it's like, okay, that that section of the brain needs to be used for something else. <clears throat> it comes back slowly. And I remember faces better than I do names. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. as well. Uh, as well. So um, we just want to shout out a very big thank you to all of our new subscribers and followers on the Facebooks and the Instagrams. And um, we just really, really, really appreciate all the support. Um, If you want to know how to support us, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel. We also have the podcast on eight to nine different platforms. Um, You can go to Anchor and find all of our links to whatever various platform you want to listen on um and let's see what else um oh on anchor there is actually a link for you to support us monetarily if you so wish not required we you know are happy for the listens and all that kind of stuff um let's see what else t-shirts Oh, yes, merch. So I don't have it in the description of this yet because I was rushing. But in our videos, um, we have the link to the merch. And we also have the link to all of our social medias and stuff. Uh, Amanda Page says, hi, all. Happy Tuesday. Happy 2222 Tuesday. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So, and I don't know if y'all have noticed a new addition. My little marquee sign that my husband bought me. He's like, look what I got you, honey. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So we are going to sit here and we are going to, if you have any questions for us, you know, concerning our time in the cult, um, you know, things we haven't maybe addressed in our podcast yet, or um, if you just... We'll, we'll answer what we're willing to answer. <laughs> curious about or, you know. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. P35 says he likes the sign. I do too. <laughs> I was try. Oh my gosh. It was such, I was so stressed out. I was trying to find something to put on there. In the letters that they give you with it, they only have two of each letter. And everything I was trying, I needed three of at least one letter. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I then two each. Like, <laughs> it's like, how can you only have two A's and two E's? Like, most, you know, things you have more vowels than you have consonants. So, oh, thank you. Amanda Page says that's a great addition for your wall. I think so too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you spelled it right too, <laughs> I would have had to look that up. Malarkey. <laughs> I can't say that I didn't. <laughs> Google is a wonderful thing. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> uh, so, um, 
Yeah, and it also hides the little um the faceplate that was there in my background. It drove me absolutely bananas to have that. Mm. I always tried to like position my head <laughs> covered it up. Well, you don't have to hide it anymore with your head. No, I don't. Oh man. So we think that in this house there used to be a doorway there. And they closed it off and made a pantry in our kitchen. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So that's probably why it had the the thing there. Yeah. So. Makes sense. All right, guys. So what are y'all curious about? What What do y'all want to know from us? Pardon me while I uh, digest my dinner. I so fastly put down. <laughs> You inhaled. (laughs) Yes. Okay. We have our first question. Um, Ashley asked, did IBLP think that spanking was the answer for all discipline? Did they teach to use just spanking or multiple punishments? Mm. I'm going to leave that up for a minute. Um, That's kind of a tough question because, you know, Marcy and I both were not parents when we were there. So I think a lot of the parenting stuff, we kind of like just got a little like, you know, you don't need the information until you need the information. So when you don't need it, you don't pay attention as much. Um, I can say that when I did become a parent, it wasn't great. Um, (laughs) um, P35 says loaded question. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so when I became a parent, it was a couple years after I left um, headquarters. And it was very common for people in the I in IBLP and ATI to read the book from the pearls to train up a child. So that book wasn't necessarily associated with IBLP, but most people followed it because the teachings aligned with that um so yeah in their book what wasn't in there that in with the a book that they sold that was one you know them. i don't know i could probably ask my mom if she remembers or my dad um if yeah. that was something that they sold like in the back after the you know various seminars sure it was in, it was in it was in the book sailing area that they had at the conferences um for, wouldn't doubt it yeah for child training for me um it was the verse you know uh spare the rod and spoil the child type of verses that went along with that was pretty much what was adhered to it from my understanding as a young child in it um time out was looked out and down upon yeah, the book mm-hmm. was sold. I remember it distinctly. Yeah. 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 I was pretty sure it was. Um, so I would say, um, I don't remember if there was any written besides that book, if there was anything written that said spank a child, but it, that was what was understood. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess when I get the basic seminar, I'm going to, you know, kind of dive into it and do a bunch of research and kind of talk about those topics. So mm-hmm. I can't remember specifically, but it was definitely a practice that was accepted and taught and encouraged by mm-hmm. the members of the cult. So um, let's see. 
Um, so Amanda asked about the collab with Dine in Psychology. We haven't worked out all the particulars um, with it yet. So we're kind of in contact with her and we have some stuff scheduled and we will definitely let you know as soon as we know when to expect that to come out. So thank you so much for asking. Um, I, if y'all have not watched Dine in Psychology, uh, they are an excellent channel that is, she's a therapist and she is covering, well, she did, I guess, a series on IBLP and she kind of covers a lot of high control groups, MLM stuff, um, and cults. And it just so happened, like, she put her video out and she has a lot more subscribers than us. And it was like pushing people to our channel. So that's kind of the reason that we started to grow a little bit was because of her. So I kind of, we kind of connect, I commented on a few of her videos and we connected and um, I'm really excited about that collab. So. Mm -hmm. so. Same here. She does a really good overview. Mm -hmm. of too. Yeah. So Amanda's page says, Oh, that is a book for, Abuse, pain, and simple. Plain oh, and plain simple. and simple. Yeah. yeah, sorry, a little dyslexic sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, it is. It I really I is. totally agree. Um, I think pretty much all of the pearls books promote and excuse and condone abuse of children and women. So, um, I don't know if anybody read the How to Be a Helpmeet. I think it what is what it was called. That book messed me up so much because I read it like right, it came out like right before I was getting married or right around the time I was getting married. And I was like, I want to do this Christian wife thing right. Let me see how the pearls do it because they've got a bunch of kids and, you know, all their kids are good. I don't didn't know them from Adam. <laughs> you know, they put on the facade that they were a great family, just like the Duggars. And so, you know, what goes on behind closed doors, you don't know. So, um, I don't know how to remove that from the Amanda. I'm not sure this is the first time I'm using StreamYard. I can just block that user. Maybe that'll take it out. I don't know. I don't know how to... Um, take the comments off in StreamYard. I guess I'm going to have to look that up because yeah, that would be important <laughs> to figure that out. Um, don't need no spammy comments. That's for sure. Um, <clears throat> let's see. <laughs> yeah. Amanda, Debbie Pearl's help me book is revolting. Uh, I will share one of the, well, I think we might save that for an episode. We're going to have to kind of do a, a dive into that book. Um, and maybe I'm going to have to find a thrift store that, that sells it so I can <laughs> not give them any money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I certainly do not want to support the pearls at all. No. So um, I was trying to think there was, a, um, there was another publication that a lot of people um, subscribe to like a magazine, like a monthly magazine or something trying to think of what the name of it was oh, it was like homesteaders or something or some something kind of like that. Uh, yeah arrows was it something to do with uh, uh i think that might have been another one but yeah okay yeah so there was yeah um <clears throat> that's another loaded question why did bill g never marry did he ever say why 
From what I understand from some of the stories from Recovering Grace, there actually was one young lady that he almost married, but the board would not approve it. From what I remember reading years ago, I haven't read the stories over again. Um, I think it, this is my, what is that word I'm looking for? Um, I can't even think of the word I'm thinking of right now. Um, my suspicion is that considering the age of the girls that he was attracted to, he didn't find anybody age appropriate after a while. And so, um, and then he just used the fact that he was, you know, single to promote that he was more godly because he could be used for God better single. Oh, which reminds me in our um, overview of the basic seminar, I wanted to mention we had, we were reading the, what the member that had shared to us, what she had filled out and she had, and in there it read that um, you're better or something like better for God or whatever. If you're married, somebody commented on that video and it made sense that it was most likely taught that you should only get married if you would be better used for God married. And I was like, okay, well that makes much more sense than what we were <laughs> getting at yes. it was like but it's been so long since we've seen the teachings and i was like well you know maybe i should just buy the basic seminar book if i can find it um that way it um hold on real quick yeah no uh yeah when that comment came that was it those memories came back and that made sense with what they were saying. So, um, I was Bobby. having internet connectivity issues and I'm trying to get my ethernet cord, but it's stuck under my recliner. Oh no. <laughs> Did you get it? Um, no, it's helping me. You might need to pull the recliner out, baby. So my little helper. Assistant. Yes. Yep. All right, give us a minute, just a minute. <laughs> we'll get there. Can't lose connectivity in the middle. Right. Okay. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> now we won't lose internet. Oh, nope. Maybe we did. <laughs> Okay. It had to switch over to the, to the ethernet. Hopefully okay. we didn't lose everybody. Um, <laughs> let's do a book club with that book chapter by chapter. <laughs> yes. Right? Like, right? Yes. Oh my gosh. You might have to actually go chapter by chapter to be able to fit everything in 
that we would have to say about each chapter. Yes. <sighs> There's Sorry. so much. Okay, so P35 says, as you both know, normal relationships between the genders was totally taboo at IBLP, so I'm always interested to hear from women that were there about how their experience was different from the men. You know, and we are, we're kind of curious about the men, because there's not a whole lot of men that have really told their stories Yeah, about the IBLP um, experience. So, you know... Um, what we do know is that it was frowned upon for us to, you know, get together and the woman always got the blame if there was a relationship and she was sent home and the boy went to counseling. So, um, um, when I was there, I didn't really have any experience with, um, other than it being a common conversation am amongst the, you, you, you know, young people, the that, staff, the, yes, the volunteers, staff, the, mm -hmm. yes, the single staff to be very, very careful. Um, if somebody came by your desk too often, or you were, I would, as a woman was supposed to discourage that because it would get me in trouble. It would get them in trouble um, to make sure that we were always very careful about not sitting next to the same person over and over and over again. Um, make sure that your table had, um, you know, if it was mixed, that it wasn't that same person with you all the time, you know, that was, it was just very, very controlled or you just had to be very, very careful because you knew there was always that shadow of being sent home hovering over you. So um, <clears throat> as far as interest, I didn't have any interest there that I was aware of because <laughs> um, I was pretty naive to that. Um, but um, there were times where we would go as groups to do something um, so there were several ministry opportunities you could do, or we, we would go, um, places, but we always had, like, it was, my brother was there for a while with me. And so it was my brother and his friends and me and my friends. And we would go as a mixed group to something. Um, it, sometimes it was hidden and sometimes it wasn't. <laughs> right. Um, you could kind of get away with it if it was sibling groups, you know? Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, um, we, once we had been there long enough, we could go like to coffee and have a mixed group at coffee, but everybody at that coffee um, knew that it was probably a, it was, you just didn't talk about it at back at headquarters. We knew they were safe people. Right. And so we, we just didn't tell. Exactly. We just, we exactly. So, um, or we would go um, out to dinner occasionally. Um, and if it was a mixed group, we just knew that was a safe group. But that only happened after we had been there for quite some time and we knew who was safe and who wasn't. Right. And it was usually with, it was never with new people. No. It was people that had been there for a long, long time that we knew. Um, so. So the new people like me that were going <laughs> there for three months. Because you were only for three months. Yeah. You invited to many of those things. I didn't. And it felt very, <laughs> I mean. You, I lived in the house with like what 12, 15 girls. There were 14, 15 girls, yeah, something like that. And there was a few of us that were new, and then there was a few that had been there for a while, and then there was a few that had been there for quite a while. And it's like you could feel the divide. Yes. And and I I wouldn't say it was clicky in the fact I that say it was clicky. I guess it was, <laughs> I was but, part of the click. <laughs> right, right. And so it was like 
because you didn't know who you could trust until they've been there for long enough. And yeah. so it, it promoted that dynamic, you know, it, it really did. And also there was such a high turnover rate. Like mm -hmm. people would come for like your, yourself, like they would only come for three months and then they were gone. So it, it wasn't, um, it, after a while it discouraged I got discouraged with building new friendships with people if they were just going to leave. And so at that point I was just like, well, I'm going to stick with the long-term friends that I have. I'll be friendly. I'll bring them into some of the basic things, but I'm not going to um, spend a lot of time because I know they're going to be gone pretty quick. So, and I had just, that had happened just so many times. So not that it was right. It was just the way that it worked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Ashley said, uh, the above rubies. That is exactly the one that I was that thinking is of. That is mm -hmm. it. The Campbells. Mm -hmm. And then Amanda said that the Campbells are just as bad as the pearls. And in, in my opinion, I don't know a whole lot about them, but it was basically the same stuff in that above rubies that was in the pearl stuff. So yeah, I mean, um, I didn't read a lot of it, so I really can't say, but I have heard bad things. <laughs> uh, my mom had a subscription, I believe, from for Above Rubies. So that's kind of the only reason I really know about it is because it was around when I was living there. Okay. So um, for any of y'all who haven't heard my story, um, I got in when I was an adult. I was in the Air Force and I came back home because I wasn't married at that time. So I needed an authority figure. <laughs> so it was kind of, you know, a weird dynamic. And I also had a brother that was nine years younger than me and a sister who's 20 years younger than me. So um, I was not raised in this cult at all. And they were. And so we have like, it's almost like we have like three different families in our own family. Cause I have an older sister who's three years older than me. And so we grew up together one way then my brother had it a little bit when he was younger like they started when i i think he might have been like nine ten when my mom became a christian so um or no he was younger than that that's right he was he was like a toddler when she became a christian i was nine or ten i think when she became a Christian. And then it was a couple of years after that, that they got involved in the ATI IBLP. I was like, I can't really remember like what year it was They're, all those kind of years just kind of like meld into my brain as one. <laughs> so um, Amanda says, Dine in psychology interviewed a man who left IBLP. Yeah, I saw that one. It was really interesting. So it was kind of like, yep, yep. <laughs> That sounds like it. That sounds like it. So, um, and he had been in alert. So he had the whole alert experience, which I think is a completely different experience than, than headquarters yeah. to a certain extent. Um, even though Gothard was not there continuously at headquarters, I think he was at headquarters more than anywhere. So... Um, so were you doing work at headquarters? If so, what kind of work? So um, I kind of shared this with my story. I was in the kitchen for a little while and I had some back trouble. I've had back pain my whole entire life and uh, my military experience kind of exacerbated it. So when I went to the kitchen, it was a lot of standing and stuff. And so I was having back pain and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I, you know, I need to find somewhere else to work. And so they kind of just stuck me in a 
in a desk with a bunch of envelopes to take people's names off of lists when their mail got returned. <laughs> so they created a job for me. So, and we discussed this on our headquarters video. I don't remember if it was mine or yours, Marcy. I don't remember either. But um, Marcy and I both have curly hair, like really curly hair. And so, and she did, had pretty curly hair at that time. And our, our, both of our hair is not blonde. So as you can tell. Um, <laughs> so there was actually no one working at the front desk, but because that's a high visibility job and Mr. Gothard passed the front desk every day, he wanted his type of girl there. Yeah. So anybody with dark curly hair would not be put in that position. So even though it was available. So, so I didn't do that. I did, I did several different departments while I was there. So I started out in, when I first got there, I was in the international department and then they had, um, they had someone from overseas from one of the training centers. there coming to stay in the States for a while. And so they needed her in the international department. So I got sent to registration. So I helped with the basic and advanced um, seminars registration department where we just entered people that were signing up for that year um, and put together the um, like the projector sheets that they used and um, some those things. Um, and then I, from there, I, I think that year was 99. So when I left in 99, I went home for a little bit for Y2K. Um, when I came back, they didn't need me in that department they put me in, um, they had a new position in, in staffing where I helped with um, organizing um, the incoming students into where they, where they would live, like what house they would be in. And so I helped with staffing there. Um, and then I did tours for the, for headquarters. If we had visitors, I did tours for them. Um, part of the different responsibilities. I worked in the seminar department for a very short time. And then I worked with uh, Verity, their college program towards the tail end of when I was there. So uh, that was maybe from like um, fall of 2002 to, to the beginning of 2003, um, maybe March. I forget now exactly, but, and I spent half of my time at headquarters with, uh, Verity and half of it at Flint, Michigan, where they had started the program. I am so sorry. I almost died. Why? <laughs> My laptop was not plugged in. Oh no! You're having all kinds of problems. Cords, charging cords. So my screen's like it just like started going dim, and I'm like, and I'm like, oh my god! I just kept talking. I'm glad. I'm glad. I was like, okay. So when my husband sets things up, I need to double check. Um, Amanda asks, did you totally deconstruct after IBLP from Christianity, or do you consider yourselves Christian? I noticed many from IBLP um, from IBLP to atheism. You want to take that? Sure. Um, I deconstructed. I um, let's see. When I first got out, I went back to a fundamental church with my parents, 
And as I got farther and farther out, I moved farther and farther away from the church. And I started going into a non-denominational. And then I went to the mission field. And then when I came back from that, I was so disillusioned with everything. I got to that point of, of deconstruction that I kind of walked away from God for a while. I don't know that I ever said I was an atheist. I, I, I never said that. I always still had a little bit of faith. Um, and I still knew I was his, but I didn't go to church. I didn't speak it. I didn't live it. Um, I didn't do any of those things. I just kind of put it on the back burner and said, I just don't know what to do with this anymore. And I'm not going to mess with it. I'm just going to live as though I don't. And so, um, that was, that lasted probably a good seven years. That was also while I was married. Um, it, it started a little bit before I got married and then through this, those seven years. And then after going through that divorce and, and escaping that abuse and that kind of thing kind of rekindled that faith for me. So yes, I would still say that I'm a Christian, but very um, mixed views when I don't really fit into anybody's box. I don't really have a denomination um, per se, um, because for one, going to church triggers me. It is really, really hard for me to go. I, I get something akin to PTSD symptoms when I get when I go. Um, it's really hard for me to trust them because so much trust was broken through the fundamental church, through IBLP, and then also through some interactions that I had when I came back with the missions and, and some other things. So um, and it's hard for me to go to church. So I'm not a regular churchgoer, but I am a firm believer. And um, so I do still claim that. And so that's kind of, I'm just a mixed bag of stuff. <laughs> I, I can relate. So for me, when I left IBLP, I got married. And when I was, so when I was in the Air Force still, I came from South Korea to Florida. And in that time span, my parents met somebody from Florida where I was going to be living in Panama City. And they were church shopping in New Orleans and so they met at church and they're like, oh, we go to this church in Panama City. Oh, my daughter's about to go move there. She's, you know, coming home from South Korea. They gave them the information. It was an independent Bible Believers Baptist Church. And if anybody is in familiar with the fundamental churches, it was an offshoot from Dr. Ruckman, Peter S. Ruckman, which is also he's part of the intro. <clears throat> and so, yeah, I have feelings about him. We might get into one day. So, um, so that was the church that I went into when I came back home. There was actually another church that was kind of like the, he had a school. And so whatever preachers went to his school and became preachers, they were kind of like in his circle. And so the church that was in the town where I lived was in that same circle. And so I went to that when I would come home and it was another Bible believers Baptist church. So it was a very fundy legalistic church, King James only. So it, it aligned with IBLP. So I basically just changed IBLP for fundies. And I went to that church that when I came home from headquarters, like within a week is when I met my, my ex-husband and we got married six months later after meeting. And so we were in multiple different fundamental churches and we church hopped a lot and we moved a lot. Like I was just talking to Jeremy, my, my now husband, 
that this is the longest I have lived in a house since 1997. We have been here for four years. I had moved like 18 times in 20 years. Like it's an average of like one to one and a half years. Cause sometimes I would move in more than once in a year. So yeah, it's kind of weird to be in the same spot for more than a year. (laughs) (laughs) So I think, I think I was at one other address, but it was in two different places. Like my, my grandmother had a house. And when I left my ex-husband, I wound up moving into her house. And then they had a garage apartment in the back. My parents had moved into her house and took over her care. She had been living with my aunt and uncle in Florida, you know, previous to that. So when they moved in to take care of her and move, move her back into her house, I went and lived in the garage apartment with the three boys. And so it was the same property, but I still moved houses. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're still a mess. So yeah. would you say, would you say that you're still. Oh, older? back. <laughs> Rabbit trail. ADHD <laughs> squirrel. Um, <laughs> so after I went through the fundamental thing and after my divorce, I still was in the fundamental church for a couple of years. And then around the time recovering grace came out, there was also the homeschoolers anonymous website. And my brother was actually part of the homeschoolers anonymous, like group or whatever, I guess that was doing the the website. And, um, there was conversations going on in my family about what was coming out on those websites and the information that was being shared. Now at that time I was a single mom to like a seven to two-year-old or nine to four-year-old, something like that. So I was very busy. (laughs) So I really, and I was working full time and um, I do have a child that's on the spectrum. So there was a lot of school stuff going on. So I didn't have a whole lot of time to deconstruct at, in those periods. But then I started to like, when I, when I stopped having time to go to church, it made it very apparent that I wasn't missed. And if I was missed, there wasn't a whole lot they were willing to do to help me get back there. And, you know, it's like, I felt like I was drowning in my life. And to me, church should have been there to help me. And I guess me, because I lived like behind my parents, they thought that was help enough and they didn't feel like I needed help. But I was also promised help that never, never came through either, you know, specific things that they would say, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And it never came. And, um, you know, not that I expected help, but if you, if you want to show somebody love and caring and kindness and, you know, You can make time to go preach on the street, but you can't make time to help the single mom that's drowning and just needs to work. Like you can't come watch my kids for an hour so I can get my time in one day so I can make it to church. I used to go to send my kids to church and sit in my car and work. So I would have one hour of uninterrupted time to make up hours from going back and forth to school stuff with the kids. I had quite a bit of, of, maybe not quite a bit, but several instances where 
um, it was all I could do to get to church as a single mom. And I had two very small babies um, because they're only 20 months apart. So I think when I tried to go back, um, same same thing where they were two and four or whatever. And I was working full time as a CNA. So the work was hard and I was exhausted. So for me to even be able to get to church was a big deal. And I wanted community. So I tried to get into some family groups that were that met with this church. And um, I hit uh, judgment a couple different times. And also there just weren't any groups that catered to single parents either. They wanted married parent, married couples only so that they could do a certain Bible study Mm -hmm. or it was just a singles group that was very much younger than me. It was really hard to find uh, a family group that would allow me to join as a single mom. So I, I I ran into the same thing you did where um, there just was not a lot of support from the church and even some judgment from the church. I even, I was asked to not come back to a group because I was single mom. Oh, wow. Wow. So I will say this, that, you know, Although the church that I was going to when I was going through my divorce was a fundamental church, there were some different differences in that pastor that I always appreciated. Him and his wife actually came to court with me several times to support me, which blew me away. Like, you know, and it's like, that's why I thought they were going to be different. But the minute I started stepping away, it wasn't how can we help you and support you to get you back in church And I don't, I never really felt judged by them, but because of my other experiences, I always felt like on the inside, they must've been, you know, like she doesn't love God enough to like kill herself and have, you know, no sleep whatsoever and no rest. And, you know, it's like, my kids were hard too. My kids are hard. You know, they're not easy kids except for Noah, my little assistant over there. But they, they have their own issues. They have their own diagnoses. They have, you know, like, I'm not saying like they were intentionally hard. They were just hard kids to parent. And I was exhausted. But anyway, back to where I am in my faith right now. Um, you know, this is kind of my answer I've been saying lately is I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. And I believe in the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm at. Yep. Yep. So... <laughs> That's where I, I, that, yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at too. (laughs) I'm a believer. I know he's here. He speaks to me. I pray to him, but that doesn't mean I go to church every Sunday. That doesn't mean that I, you know, I just, yeah, I'm just a mixed bag of, of, I just can't adhere to any particular religion, religion. It just doesn't work. Um, There's always something that, that I don't agree with. Like, like I will, you know, LGBTQ, um, no problem with that. Most churches have issue with that. Um, if they don't have an issue with that, they have an issue with other things that I'm okay with. <laughs> so that I'm just not willing to judge on. Um, I just spent too many years judging people. We, we mm-hmm. were so trained yeah. in this cult to judge everything everything yeah. we were so much better than everybody else so we were going to be better than them and it was our job to bring them in because we were following all these things that once i stepped away from that i just couldn't i just can't go to that i can't do anything judgmental now i'm just like i, just, I know it's it, it, it is it is what it is that's between you and god i'm not right. gonna do that right. i'm gonna love you right where you are yeah and that and that's kind of like where i got to i was like I don't see love in any of this. Mm -hmm. 
I only see judgment and condemnation and pressure to be something that I know I will never achieve. I could never be that submissive wife that just let my husband do whatever he wanted to. It just, it's not in me. It's not a part of my being. And so, you know, it was really, I felt like a failure constantly and being undiagnosed ADHD my whole entire life. I felt like a failure up until the point where I was like, you know what? I'm done. And, you know, I don't think I've ever stopped believing in God, but I stopped believing all of what I was fed. Yes. And I started trying to discover who God really was. Mm -hmm. And one of the greatest things for me and what I feel safest in is a small study group with a female leader who I know, love and trust. And she was actually part of ATI homeschool, but her family was not as heavily involved in it as my family. So she had a completely different experience than I did. And, you know, she was much more well-rounded as a Christian. And I felt displayed like the attributes of what a Christian should be. So I started going to a Bible study uh, at her house. And one of the Bible studies we did was like studying some of the stories in the Bible of Jesus. And one of the fellow Bible study participants was a young man from... I can't remember what country he's from that, that information went out the brain some, some time ago, but, um, and this was actually within the last like three years, I guess it was right before COVID that we were doing this. So, um, he gave us some cultural context so, to some of these stories that showed how drastic Jesus's behavior was as opposed to what was culturally appropriate. Like when he let the woman come and wash his feet and how offended Jesus should have been that his own followers didn't do that to him, you know? So it, he gave us such, and I don't ever remember getting the cultural lessons of why these things were such a big deal. Mm -hmm. It was almost like they expected you to know that. And I don't know Jewish culture. I mean, I didn't ever learn it. I was a Catholic growing up. It's like, you know, so it's like that made me realize how much love Jesus had. And that if Jesus had that much love and he may have told somebody the truth, but he was kind of in a position to do it. And to expect that we as Christians can sit there and talk to somebody the way that he did, like the woman at the well, they always give that example. He told her that she had seven husbands. He was God. Mm -hmm. He can say that to her. He was telling the Pharisees not to be judgmental. So who are we to act like we are God and judge people, you know, and most of his stories were about love not about judgment. And so it was just kind of a, it opened my eyes to the opposite of what I was taught in IBLP. And, you know, even in Catholicism, Catholicism, it's all about working to attain, which nobody can. And so there wasn't a whole lot of grace there either, either or love 
I think they had a little bit more love than the fundamentals and the IBLP sect did, but it, there was a lot missing too. So that's kind of my story of deconstructing. I kind of call it reconstructing because I haven't given it up. I just don't know everything I believe anymore, you know, other than God, Jesus, Holy spirit. Um, I will say that a major factor in, um, deconstruction and then reconstructing. I think I had done a lot of deconstructing before I went to the mission field. And then part of what started a reconstruction for me before I went on that seven year hiatus, (laughs) um, was, uh, go when I, before I went to the mission field, I went through a training, a five month training with a missionary, um, agency, um, close to me in Oklahoma city. And, um, they had a very open view of grace and um, how you present the gospel to someone else. And it was different than the handing out tracts and just shove it down their throat mm-hmm. type of um, thing that we had grown up with in the cult or that you were better than them and you had to serve them this, you know, thing. Um, it was very much relational, It very relational. You build relationship. And even if it takes you 10 years to build a relationship with someone before you share the gospel story with them, it was very relational. So that yeah. changed, that shifted my viewpoint of some of the Christianity, Christianity idea, um, especially about grace and salvation. And then um, they were also um, more charismatic, which I had never been exposed to before. And um, I tend to be oh. a very very sensitive person as far as spiritual things go. And so I can sense things more. And they were the first people that I had ever encountered that, that this was okay. Cause Baptists, you don't mm-hmm. speak in tongues. You don't say that you don't talk about whether there are demons or, or angels or, or that you've seen things or that you've heard things or that you sense things around you or in that you, that none of that exists right. and in the Baptist or at least not in my Baptist world. Right. And charismatic people are, are a little bit, um, they delve into that a little bit more. And so that was a new avenue to, uh, for me for a better sitting. I don't know. That's probably rabbit trailing too, but, um, but it opens new doors for me to understand a different spiritual, a, a different way of doing spirituality. And mm-hmm. so, um, that gave me a few building blocks. Yeah. Put that on pause. Most of that pause was probably because I met my ex and mm-hmm. he was not a believer and, that derailed me some. So, mm-hmm. um, um, and then when I came back to it after that, um, then I had those pieces that I could build on and decide, you know, kind of where I sat in all of that. <laughs> yeah. So back to the thing that you were saying, it kind of made me realize something about the spiritual realm. You know, I would call it a realm of good yes. and bad and spirits and you know, some people believe in ghosts and, mm-hmm. you know, um, some people can feel spirits in their house. We were talking about the other day. Yes. You know? <laughs> I, I had some stories I was telling her cause I could, uh, there was, yeah, something going on here in this house. And I was like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I've never felt a presence in any of the houses I lived in. I just may not be sensitive to it, but I'm okay with that because horror, I can't do horror and scary. And yeah, yeah, mm-mm, I know. Mm-mm. yeah, I have, and I don't, I just, said, no, I'm just shutting that door. I'm not opening that door. I'm not going to acknowledge it. Even if I do. So what I was, what it made me think of is that it's not that the Baptist and, you know, IBLP cult ever doesn't talk about the spiritual realm, realm, 
what they only talk about is the negative in the spiritual realm, the demon possession, the spirits attacking you and opening yourself up to bad spirits. And the only good spirit is the Holy spirit. And that is the only person you're supposed to open up yourself to, you know? So that kind of made me think about that. I was like, wow, it's very heavy on the negative aspect of the spiritual realm. We were taught, we were taught, and I don't know, maybe this was just our church or maybe this was just my parents, but we were taught to pray protection around us or pray protection, Mm -hmm. use Jesus' name as a protective thing, uh, which is, um, has worked for me in the past when encountering those type of things, especially overseas, because you get more of that overseas. There's just deeper darkness there, um, or it's more active than here. But um, so we were taught some things, but definitely not um, what I learned later. <laughs> yeah. So um, Ashley had said, oh, gosh, even an IFB Ruckman is considered really off by many. Many IFB pastors can't stand Peter. Are. Yeah, there's there's a few in the IFB that are just really out there and like the whole like IFB realm is like, eh. like, I wonder how they feel about what is his name? I think his last name is Locke or something. The guy with the book burnings. So, oh, yeah, this week, this week on the Internet, he was talking about how he had witches in his congregation and he's got all four of their names and I don't know. It was weird and bizarre. Oh. And I was just like, what? Oh, are you just doing this for like ratings? Like, it feels like th- you're like a, a televisual evangelist. That's trying to like, you know, healed by the power, but you know, you're doing it the opposite. Like I'm going to offend you so much that you watch me. Like that's just kind of the vibe I get from this dude. Any women around him. And I was like, I'd have been like, yeah, it's me. What you going (laughs) to do about it? I mean, I was like, oh, my God, I want to be in that church so bad. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So um, she was a young widow left with five children. So she had that group. Um, Not sure what that was referring to. Um, and then same with the leper when we were talking about Jesus and oh. his stories, the same with the leper and the woman with the issue of blood. Yeah. I mean the, the love that Jesus had for everyone he encountered, just, you know, if you really take into the cultural context of it, um, Craig, yes, Greg Locke, Greg Locke is insane. Yeah. He's also the one that said that autism could be demon possession as well. Oh, good grief. Um, yeah, kind of pissed me off since I have a kid on the spectrum. So yeah, I've heard that before though because I have a younger brother that was on the spectrum, or is on the spectrum, and mm-hmm. uh, we got that a lot as uh, as a family of the of a what's a cult and stuff. Right. I, mean, I don't think anybody actually said demon possession, but it was definitely a um, like you can pray it out of them. Yes, or it was it was a training problem, like like mm-hmm. it was the parents' problem that they hadn't done exactly what they should have done. Or follow the right set of checklists to to make sure the kid complied, and it was so wrong because he was number five. I mean, he's he was um, not any different than the rest of us. Not treated okay. differently, and and he's amazing now. He's absolutely amazing. Oh, that's now. wonderful. That's wonderful. And you know, I have a son that's on the spectrum, and 
you know, one of the, the things that I learned, you know, early on is you can't beat autism out of a child and you yeah. can't, I have a child that's ADHD as well. They're actually both ADHD, my mm-hmm. two older ones. And it's like, you can't beat impulse control into a child either. Yeah, no, it's just a, it's a brain yeah. malfunction. Mm-hmm. Just- oh my gosh, this is a good one. Did y'all have to burn things like music, Cabbage Patch dolls? I never burned anything because by the time I got to that point, to do that, that it had already been purged from our house. But there were a few things like, I'll tell you the funny story about headquarters. <laughs> so I am a huge movie buff. I absolutely love movie soundtracks. It was one of the only things that I was allowed to listen to outside of the hymns and the March music and the, uh, uh, you know, Christian music without the drums that you could listen to. So very, very limited music things. Um, movie soundtracks were usually orchestral. And so I could enjoy those um, yeah. without them being wrong. Well, I had one that was really fun. It came from, uh, it was a while you were sleeping. I don't know if any of you know that movie called while you're sleeping. It has Sandra Bullock in it. And I love Sandra really, Bullock. really, really fun soundtrack, but it also had yeah. a couple of, you know, with, with movie soundtracks, you'll have the, um, the original score. And then you also have a few singers, right? Mm-hmm. So there were like two or three songs on that CD that had a singer in it. And of course they had drums in them and backbeat and all that. Well, I got very convicted. I don't even remember what the, um, what the teaching was or where it was, if it was like a staff meeting or I don't know. remember. Anyway, got very convicted that I had been listening to this type of music, these two songs on this thing. It's so two songs. Yes. So I, I asked mom and dad what I should do. Should I go with Mr. Gothard about it? Should I, uh, I was very guilty. Should I go with Mr. Gothard about it? That I've had it on his property that I've been listening to it in one of the houses. Like this is how extreme it was. Um, And they said, well, I don't know. I I don't see why you would go and bother Mr. Gothard about music, but if you want to ask him, you can. And I don't remember if I did, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. But in the end I ended up taking, instead of burning it, I took a key and, and uh, marred the CD so that it would keep me from being tempted to listen to it anymore. And then I threw it away. Um, Cause I think I had tried to stop listening to it a couple times and then I got it back out. Cause I just loved it so much, <laughs> but this was all over a, a music like movie soundtrack CD. It had nothing wrong on it. Absolutely nothing. It was benign, but the shame and the guilt and the rules were so extreme that um, I had just, I got my, I thought for sure that God wasn't going to bless my ministry there or that I was going to get struck by lightning if I didn't do that one thing. If I didn't, if I didn't have a clean conscience with my parents and with Mr. Gothard about one CD. Right. Okay. So I have a burning um, story. So since I was an adult, when I came into it, I had moved out when I was 17 and then when I wanted to move back home before I went to basic training, they required me to go to the basic seminar. When I got back from the basic seminar, I collected all of my CDs that I had spent so much money on. So much money. Cause they were not cheap because CDs had kind of just come out recently yeah. and all of my cassette tapes. And yes, I'm that old. And <laughs> I, um, I burned all of them. And I think I had a couple of books, you know, I'm a real big like <clears throat> crime buff. I have always been fascinated by true crime. 
And so I think I had some thing in there about um, Jack the Ripper or something, a book and, you know, burned all of that, you know, and I was like, wow. yeah, in our, in our backyard. I don't remember if like we had a bucket or something. I don't remember, but I, yeah, I, I, after evil spirits go away with it, just poof. Oh my God. It was so dumb. It was so <laughs> dumb. What you're supposed to be doing, cleansing your house of any kind of dark. Yeah. It's a, it, you know, it was like, it was, it's like they would be all like weird about the Eastern religion stuff. Like if you would be like, oh, well, I want to burn some sage and like purify the house. They would probably go like, oh my God, you know, yeah. but let's yeah. just burn books to get the evil spirits out of the books. Like it's <laughs> yeah. completely different than burning sage. So, yes. <laughs> okay. Eastern religion is bad. Burning books is okay. Cause it's for God. Got it. When I was seven, I wanted a Cabbage Patch doll so badly. It was when they were real big. And my mom would not let it in because it was, you know, demonic names and all of that. Um, so she went and she found me a, a Cabbage Patch lookalike head. And then she took, she let me pick the head. And then she took it to a friend and that friend made the body that went with this doll. So that I could have a um, Cabbage Patch, but not a Cabbage Patch doll mm. and i got it for christmas one year and i really loved the doll but i was also extremely disappointed that i didn't get an actual cabbage patch doll like i knew everything was off brand and i knew it wasn't what i actually wanted and you know what my when my i had my daughter um she got a cabbage patch doll from a, a grandparent uh, not my parents but another grandparent and i was so excited it was like her first doll and it was a real cabbage patch doll yes. and I was like, yes, because <laughs> that was such a big deal. Um, and also Rainbow Bright Doll. I wanted that so badly, but because it was connected to magic, my mother wouldn't let me have it. But oh, my mom wow. was so against magic, we couldn't even watch the fairy godmother in Cinderella. Like, no magic. Wow. Um, but my mother was the one that found the Rainbow Bright Doll and redid it and gave it to me. Mm. I don't know if that was a peace offering or what, but um, she did give it to me. Oh, Mary, I feel for you. She burned her album. Oh, oh man. That's so sad. Yes. Oh. So, um, oh, P35 says, don't ever play me another John Philip Sousa song. Right? Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Why does that name familiar? Like, I don't, it, I, I recognize it, but who is that? It's a marching band. It's a marching band uh, thing. <sighs> oh. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Um, it's strange that IBLP is very non-spiritual and that they don't speak in tongues, but yet they dive into faith healing with prayer of Jabez. Yeah. 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 It's so very weird, you know, teach uh, ritual praying a hedge, right? The praying yeah. the hedge around you and tearing down strongholds. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, it's a weird mix. My mom was convinced I'd be opening myself to Satan because I calmed my mind. Meditation. Yeah, right? Yes. Right? Meditation. You can meditate, but only on scripture. Right? Yes. yes. <laughs> Burning for Jesus. Amanda. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can't burn that sage, but you can burn books for Jesus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, man. 
the king of March music. Yeah. Yes. Yes, he was. Oh. <laughs> I grew up with it because my mom was in the marching band in her high school. And so had she not been a drummer in the marching band in high school, we probably wouldn't even have had that in our house either. But, but mm. since she was such a lover of that, that marching music was okay. That, that type of drumming was okay because of course it was on the right beat. It wasn't on, it was on the mm. second and fourth and not the third, first and third. I get confused about that now, but it was on the right one. <laughs> give me give me all the bad beats i want them yeah, yes yeah. yep my i need some african tribal music please <laughs> country was what i got into that was one of the first things i delved into when i got out was music um and it was country because the person that i had contact with that could get me the music was uh of country was his thing and um so wow he he burned me a ton of cds oh, this is wow. when burning cds first came out he burned me a whole bunch of country music and I listened to it in my car. And so I know a lot of old country now because that was my first taste. That's not my first preference now, but it also yeah. brings up memories of that. So that was my one of my first forays out into the um, real world was, was music. Okay. So speaking of music, I totally forgot about this. We had a plan. So because... Sometimes these topics are very, very serious, and we were prevented from enjoying music for so long. We're going to have a little dance break. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, oh, now, did you have to remember that? <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about music like, oh, my gosh, I completely forgot about this. And we're supposed to do it like 30 minutes ago. But so we're going to have a little dance break. So join us in some dancing. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I used I to go like that. I used to go to sock hops when I was a teenager. So I did plenty of the dirty dancing. <laughs> <laughs> I did get into I did go I specifically went to dance class. It was one of those things that I did after I got out because I was like, I want to learn to waltz. I want to learn to swing. I want to learn to all these things. None of them got into the dirty dancing part, but uh but I do love swing. <clears throat> Excuse me one moment. Yes. Dancing is fun. And I would do more of it if I could. <laughs> I would have loved to see some faces when that happened. <laughs> okay, so I, I just put it, I thought you were going to read it for me. <laughs> I was oh, no, it says, 
<laughs> so I was a part of a group at Alert that played bluegrass music on stage once at Knoxville one year. At one point, we all stopped and realized that half the band had been playing a backbeat the entire time. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> gosh. That would have been awesome. To be a fly on yeah. that wall. Yeah, bluegrass is so close to rock and roll, but no drums. So it's all fine, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, the drums are good. <laughs> so when I was at um, headquarters, we had gone, I think it was in Indy. We went to Indianapolis for like a Christmas something or other, possibly. And I remember we went ice skating, but they also had like a presentation, of course, or Bill Gothard spoke. And then there was this guy that did trumpets there and i can't remember his name and it was very you know like jazzy trumpet music and it was like all fine because it didn't have a saxophone <laughs> yes, yes. was that the christmas um the christmas conference that you're talking about probably i mean i don't remember so were you yeah. there for christmas you were i was i was because so i was a christmas conference okay yeah so i went i got there I think in October sometime and then I think I left after Christmas because I had gone with one of our housemates to Duluth for Christmas okay yeah okay they always had it in Indy and um Indianapolis training center mm -hmm. and yeah. it, it was Chicago it was all of headquarters and then it was part of Indy and then some of the other um longer term staff would come yeah I'm I think I went to Indy for the counseling seminar as well so it was like yeah. I don't know where all of that was in the whole it would thing. have been it would have been um in the middle of december i think maybe i think they did it like around the middle of december before everybody left for the holiday yeah it was right before everybody left for the holiday yeah that seems about right <laughs> yeah. it was memories are murky <laughs> and there was lots of fancy things and i always felt sorry for the indie people because they had to host all of us there right like we were coming to for the fun of it but they had to do all the work they had to do the food and the cleaning and they had to get wow. all the rooms ready and i didn't like, even it really wasn't fun that. for them no and then they didn't get that in return no they for... didn't they didn't oh, wow. it was just a lot of work wow i never even thought about that that's terrible yeah mm. mm -mm -mm. So um, P35 says anyone that knew anything about music scales, I don't know how to say that word. Chordal structures, structures etc. Bluegrass and rock use the same basic chord patterns, same as blues country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> like we can justify it because this, that and the other. And it just goes to show you how ridiculous some of that teaching was. So I also wanted to say, I don't know, like the sound volumes of things let me know if that music was too loud for y'all um because i have to figure out how to adjust that if it was <laughs> so i was hoping i could i was hoping i could put it and we could be dancing in the background but i i'm still learning the stream yard thing so <laughs> It's all, it's all a learning curve. You know, I have like five minutes a day to, you know, do every, everything else in my life, you know, sometimes. So, oh, because it was before 1950, right? Anything <laughs> yes. before 1950 was okay. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> all right, y'all. So this has been like an hour and 14 minutes and um, I, I still have to finish my dinner. <laughs> you didn't finish eating. Oh, 
And uh, I probably have to go back and do a little bit of work for my full-time job because I didn't get all my hours in today. So we are going to go ahead and sign off. And we just want to thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. We really enjoyed it. Um, it was fun. And it is our plan to do this. We're going to shoot for once a month. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, saves me on editing. <laughs> yeah. So Zena's questions, we'll put it down for future things to talk about. Yeah, so I think there actually was, oh, there was one person that had asked a question on one of our videos. Oh, they had asked, you know, why had, why was Gothard, you know, why did he feel qualified to talk about marriage and parenting when he wasn't married or a parent? And um, my answer to them was basically because Gothard felt like he was being led by God. So it was all in the Bible. So as long as he was you know, the messenger, he was just God's messenger, which just. Yeah. And God gave him special messages and he mm -hmm. just passed it along, you know, that inspiration once a year at the Northwoods didn't, didn't style it. I see himself as a prophet, but there you go. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight and yes. for listening and subscribing. We really do appreciate all of y'all and y'all have a great night and don't forget to come back and join the rebellion. Yes. Bye y'all.